2: he had a comment about me being soft and i think for years i kind of hated him for saying that because I, I looked at it the wrong way i think he was more so talking about my mentality mm-hmm. not my physique or not yeah. you know how i how i am on the court like your edge like my edge I, and i didn't realize that because of the noise surrounding him saying i was soft mm-hmm. and you know i hated it. i hated him for that moment um, but, you know, I realized what he was talking about. I said, oh, okay, that's it. <laughs>
1: you got it.
2: I get it now.
1: Welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Now this is going to be fun explainable, but we've got to explain it. So here we go. The prodigal son who no one wanted to come back home has come back home. Dwight Howard, seven years after his failure to launch in the purple and gold, is once again somehow a Laker. Redemption season, here we come. D39, welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) The more things change, the more things stay insane. Alan, how does it feel to reunite with old friends and foe? We've got Alan, believe it or not, we've got LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and Dwight Howard all on the same team. This is the stuff of Lakers 2008 through 2010 nightmares, my friend. Uh, So with that being said, Dwight Howard is is once again a Laker. How does it feel?
0: It's it's strange. It's surreal. But at the same time, it makes perfect sense, right? (laughs) As Laker fans, this is the kind of weird crap that I guess we come to expect. Yeah, just kind of throw your hands up and shrug your shoulders and... uh, Enjoy the ride, man. Like you said, it's going to be fun. fun. What did you say? What were was that? It's
1: a fun explainable.
0: Fun explainable. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's fun believable.
0: It's going to be fun fusing as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely going to be the case. But Um, one of the
0: Lakers not fun fusing,
1: right? (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, Alan, we indirectly spoke this into existence and jinxed things a couple of episodes ago when we played the Laker game that's sweeping the nation, Double Foul. And again, you know, double foul, for for those who don't know, is pretty much a would you rather of worst case scenarios. And I gave you the question, out of the two most hated players in Lakers nation, who would you most be okay with winning a championship on this team in a washed up role player variety? Paul George or Dwight Howard? Who did we pick, Alan?
0: Well, at the time, it would have been like D12
1: but I guess <laughs> yeah. d39 d39 it is and at this point we have to hope it comes true right <laughs>
0: <laughs> we spoke it into existence man hey if it what honestly what can we say
1: if he wins a championship if we win a championship out of this i'm all for it
0: i accept um, the responsibility either way
1: <laughs> but alan after seven years and quite the fall from grace again dwight howard is back do you remember the first that first preseason game against the Kings yeah. that we went to, in which Dwight first debuted seven years ago?
0: Yeah, dude, how- we were sitting in like section three hundred thirteen <laughs> or some crap, super close to the tin, like aluminum foil wall in Staples Center. It was great.
1: How how did you feel back then? Didn't you feel like you were in a That this was a historical moment, a transcendent and sublime moment. And then when we saw Kobe Bryant loft that first lob into the air to Dwight, it was like, it it was amazing. You know, I was speechless.
0: (laughs) Is that the word you're looking for?
1: (laughs) I mean, at the time, right? At the time, it was like, this is the next great big man in Lakers history. And then, well, you guys know the story from there. Um... Tonight's episode, we're just going to riff on Dwight Howard for much of it, talk about the details of the deal and the contextual circumstances that surround this strange reunion and uh, and get into a little bit of how Dwight Howard changes the dynamic of this team. Alan will be on for this first segment, and then Tommy will hop on for the second segment and give us his thoughts as well. But before we delve any deeper, as usual, please follow us on Twitter, at LakersLegacyPod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many times Rob Pelinka will randomly have Kobe Bryant lurking around Lakers practice, arms folded, and simply pacing back and forth on the sidelines in silence, eyeing Dwight Howard's every step along the way. Because there's no better way to keep D39 in check than by bringing in the wrath of the Mamba. So, yes, please rate, interview us on iTunes if you want to see Kobe. That
0: image is just too good, dude. That is classic. Wow. He's, like, suited up in a full Laker jersey, too.
1: <laughs> so, if you want more of Kobe randomly being at Lakers practices, just to make sure we're keeping Dwight Howard in check, please rate, interview us on iTunes. We
0: And that's how many more times he's going to whisper soft in Dwight's ears.
1: Oh, yeah. The, I think the whisper is more effective these days. Yes. Uh, we are inching towards 400 five-star rating and reviews, so we, we'd love it if you guys could help us out in that respect. We've been able to somehow pump out content for you guys on a weekly basis this summer and would appreciate the simple thumb exercise reciprocation via iTunes. Uh, if you can't do that, you can also just like or RT the Twitter drops of these episodes that we put out on our Twitter page, at Legacy Pod, and that also goes a long way. Lastly, if you'd like to help us out, Financially, in any small way, please consider donating a dollar or two to patreon.com slash thelakerslegacypodcast. Currently, our patrons have an early listen to our interview with Gary Kablian of Evo Sports Training. He worked out with Kyle Kuzma this offseason on speed and explosivity. Uh, Okay, Alan, with the housekeeping out of the way, here's some historical tidbits with regards to the Lakers as it pertains to Dwight Howard. The last time the Lakers were in the playoffs... Dwight Howard was a Laker, got ejected in a Game 4 sweep at home. And the next time the Lakers make the playoffs, there's a good chance Dwight Howard may also be wearing a Lakers jersey yet again, but hopefully with differing results. If you remember when he debuted seven years ago when we were at that game, Dwight Howard was, I believe he was 26 years old when he was traded to Los Angeles. Do you know that that is also the same age that Anthony Davis is? It's a little bit eerie, right? Wow, that's crazy. Some eerie parallels there. Obviously, they are both very different in terms of skill set. But in terms of this sort of ironic poetry that's going on, it it is a little strange, right, to to now be putting our hopes and dreams in another big man and calling Anthony Davis the next great Laker big, the same way we were doing for Dwight Howard, except he's also now back on the team. It, it's... uh. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. All I know is narratively, there's there, there's definitely something there. The, the drama is definitely there. Alan, with that said, let's let's delve deeper into just your initial reactions to this Dwight Howard signing. Did you have him as your number one contender for this open spot, or were you kind of leaning more towards Joakim Noah? So yeah, first off, where did you personally stand on this signing?
0: <laughs> um, you know what's funny is. I thought it was going to be one of those moments, at least in recent memory, where I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. But as I'm thinking right now, I don't remember where I was or what I was doing when I found out. But I do remember how I felt. And like I said at the very beginning, I just kind of shrugged my shoulders and shook my head a little bit with a with a sheepish grin on my face. And I think I probably muttered under my breath very quietly, wtf but the actual words. Uh, and then I immediately texted several people and I think we all shared the same sentiment. So yeah, it was, it's like weird. It was shocking and surprising, but then at the same time, like we should, we should expect this to happen. You know, I don't think I was fully of the belief that there is zero chance the Lakers will go out and get Dwight. I guess before it happened, I probably thought, Oh, there's like a 10% chance that'll happen, which is quite slim. Mm -hmm. Um, as you said, I would have preferred Noah. I think you and I recorded, and I went on the record yeah. and said, "Yeah, it would be dope." Um, passing, blah blah blah, whatever. So yeah, that that was pretty much it, dude. And then you know you get into the terms of the contract, which I'm sure we'll discuss. And the main thing is we can cut this guy after one second of him walking in that gym if he smells funny, you know. <laughs> um, so like that's uh, that's how attached we are to the guy. That's how much commitment we've really shown him at this moment. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, well, we don't have a ton to lose.
1: Yeah, was it surprising to you given the fact that Rob Palenka is so close to Kobe Bryant and you know the strain there in the relationship between Kobe Bryant and Dwight Howard and him pretty, mu- pretty much bailing on a dude who tore his Achilles trying to carry a team because Dwight Howard just couldn't, you know, put it all together that season. Granted, Gang. he was injured. I'm getting
0: pissed but... just hearing about that.
1: <laughs> i again. And... And honestly, I think a lot of Lakers fans share that same sentiment. It, it's so hard for them to get on board. And, you know, I mentioned LeBron James and Rajon Rondo are also on this team. We've had to do a lot of, like, mental gymnastics here just in the last month and a half, haven't we, Alan? And this one is the, the toughest test of all, right?
0: We're the uh, Simone Biles and the Caitlin Ohases <laughs> and the... Uh... whatever of basketball Oh,
1: we are are sublime at doing it at this point Um, You know there's that classic trope you find in movies when the heroes find themselves stuck in a situation that they can't solve or fix themselves, so then they have to begrudgingly employ the help and assistance of an old foe And they either find this guy in some bar drunk and have to convince him to help them. Or maybe this person's like a beast or a monster locked up somewhere that they must unleash into the world and harness for their good, you know? It it, it kind of feels that way. Um, And I I actually thought, I have actually thought about this analogy, Alan. Uh, And so, you know, the first thing I thought of was Suicide Squad, just because...
0: The first thing (laughs) I thought of was suicide.
1: (laughs) I mean, yeah, that that too. But, you know, in Suicide Squad, the government kind of they go to these hoodlums and they kind of let them loose in order to take advantage of their special abilities. But all along the way, their every movement and action is heavily policed by the army, right, and the government. So in some ways, it kind of parallels the way that I think the Lakers kind of have Dwight Howard by the barrel of the gun. I mean, his contract is pretty much Exhibit 9. This is a contract that I've never heard of. It's pretty much day-to-day. They can cut him tomorrow if they want to or i think it starts october 21st but after october 21st they can cut him at any point if he's misbehaving so it kind of feels a little suicide squad right yeah um, it also kind of feels a little bit like godzilla <laughs> <laughs> you know you know in the moments i, I forget which, i forget which movies but there have been times where godzilla is this monster that's uh terrorizing cities and towns but in the end he's kind of turned into a hero in order to defeat a bigger foe right whether it's mothra or some other um, (laughs) greater evil yeah uh so the the protagonists of the story have to harness his powers but with the help of my um focus group shout out to the kamadas ali and matt and my girlfriend audrey (laughs) we came to a better example and you've seen black panther right of course do you remember mbaku uh
0: refresh my memory
1: M'Baku is the very sturdily built man with, like, super broad shoulders yeah. yeah, yeah. Tachaka fights at the very beginning. And Tachaka wins. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he, he kind of lords over those, like, mountain people, and he has, like, this cape, this furry cape over him.
0: Is but he anyways, the guy from Us?
1: He is the guy from Us. He is, yes, right? He okay, is, yeah. Duke. Something like Winston that. Winston Duke or Winston something Duke, like that. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That is M'Baku. So, you know, at the beginning of Black Panther, he's pretty much a villain, and he tries to overtake T'Chaka's throne, is unsuccessful, and he just has a... Uh, just a ha- hatred for the Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But when T'Chaka ends up dying, <laughs> they actually go to M'Baku for help, and it's M'Baku who actually ends up reviving T'Chaka with whatever... I don't even remember what, what he revives him with. some Some flowers... T'Challa. I keep saying T'Chaka. T'Chaka is his dad. Is it T'Challa? Okay, he ends up reviving T'Challa. All these Marvel fans <laughs> are like... Thanks
0: for the Audrey. <laughs> all,
1: all these Marvel fans are killing me right now. Like, T'Chaka! What the... F-? T'Chaka! T'Challa! Get it right, Anyways, Anyway, this pod- podcast is already over the rails. But essentially, Dwight Howard is that villain that we have to go to in order to somehow revive our Lakers' hopes. Now... The parallel kind of falls apart because I don't think Dwight Howard has the same influence as a guy like M'Baku or like the same power as that character. But in the sense that we have to go to someone unlikely and someone that we don't want to go to for help, this is where we're at with Dwight Howard, right? Um, yeah, I like Kind that of all over there. the place with, that, with those analogies, but there it is. We begrudgingly have to employ the help and assistance of this former foe and honestly one of the, I think outside of Smush Parker probably one of the most hated, you know, former one of Lakers, vilified
0: right? Lakers ever.
1: Exactly. So I I mean at least we can take solace in that fact that Smush Parker is is gone forever. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's definitely a plus.
1: Um Alan, well, l- so let's get this out of the way before we move any further. I know a lot of Lakers fans have harsher feelings than we do about Dwight Howard, much more visceral feelings. So I definitely don't want to tell fans how to feel about this. So let's get the qualifiers out of the way. Dwight Howard is an immature, wishy-washy human being who can't be trusted, and has said this same, this is a new day, turning over a new that leaf.
0: That on Twitter was so good.
1: Yeah, so he's pretty much said, this is a new day for me, I'm turning over a new leaf, pretty much in every situation he's found fresh himself. Fresh start. Yep, fresh start. New beginning. Exactly. So, Dwight Howard also is a, is a guy who doesn't have very many friends. He's been a whiny prima donna in almost every locker room situation he's found himself in. His style of play on the court is very clunky and unappeasing, especially when he chooses to dribble the ball or post up. (laughs) Um,
0: Especially when he tries to do anything on offense.
1: Obviously, we hate how he acted during his time with the Lakers. Hate that he didn't take Kobe's advice seriously back then. So, yes, I agree with all the Lakers fans who are feeling all of those things about Dwight Howard. All those things are true. We don't have to give him the benefit of the doubt in anything. I don't feel great about embracing him as a fan, but again, the larger goal here is to win a championship. To me, like I'd mentioned with all these random analogies, he's a hired gun. And if he helps us in this cause to win a championship, so be it. If we're talking about positives or just differences in the situation that Dwight Howard now finds himself in with the Lakers, what would you say that is? You mentioned the contract. Look, you don't have to give Dwight Howard the benefit of the doubt. He doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt at this point with how many times he's sort of, you know, dropped the ball. I will say, though, that with this Exhibit 9 summer contract that he's been put on and the fact that Dwight Howard has accepted this sort of very unique contract that pretty much puts him under the same contractual terms as a summer camp G League invite like Demetrius Jackson, which is sort of unheard of for a veteran of his stature, right? Regardless of how maligned he's been. The fact that he's taking on this risk and... He honestly could have just sat on the Memphis Grizzlies bench and collected his full $5 million check. Instead, he chose to give up $2.5 million just to have this chance to day by day try and make it onto the Lakers roster. So the fact that he is literally putting his money or lack thereof where his mouth is and accepting this sort of contract, I think at the very least is a good first step. We have to see it the full way through but if you're looking for any silver linings here of or any progress in, in Dwight Howard's wishy-washy nature, this is at least a good first step.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, the fact that there were more appealing alternatives, at least financially speaking, would indicate something uh, as far as him maybe realizing the reality of the situation, like what his career trajectory is at this point. He did say in his Washington Wizards press conference, like, yeah, this is going to be the team that I retire with. And if he didn't join us, it probably would have been the team that he retired with. So I, I suppose that shows some sort of shift, if anything else. I won't say it's like maturity or self awareness or anything like that. That's potentially giving him too much credit. But yeah, you can appreciate a guy who wants to, I mean, he's essentially ring chasing, you know? Honestly, it's just like if he didn't post that video of him shooting three pointers, You know, like the timing of it is just so ridiculous. Like, what is wrong with you, dude? And then (laughs) he even commented on the Lakers' official Instagram post, um, saying that he is officially signed and he's like Redemption 100 or whatever. Hashtag 39. Mm -hmm. It's like, dude, just just shut up. You know, like (laughs) just suspend your freaking social media accounts. Be quiet. Although, even that doesn't change. Like clearly what his mentality is so it's such a fickle thing but had he not posted that either of those things uh i'd be more optimistic but mm-hmm. my slight optimism dropped especially because mm-hmm. of the three-point shooting thing man so um yeah i know you asked what the positives were <laughs> but uh i just ended up going down yeah, the negative way
1: i mean to be honest I, i'm sure a fair share of lakers fans feel the same way i mean your stance is kind of put up or shut up right and literally shut up yes <laughs> please, actually just just, just be just... quiet just shut up and put up or something like that.
0: <laughs> shut up and put up. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, just, and we all know what he needs to do, right? Like set screens, play good defense, which um, I don't have all the numbers in front of me and stuff. Cause I was driving, but um, you know, the defensive numbers indicate that he was actually a lot better than most of us thought he was um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, we are biased and we probably weren't watching very many wizards or Charlotte Hornet games, but yeah, man, just play defense, set good picks, That's all you need to do.
1: Luckily for the Lakers, they do have a sizable amount of control and leverage over how this goes. You know, I think the main objective here, I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind is the front office really vetted the three guys that they brought in to work out. They brought in Dwight Howard, Joe Noah, and Maurice Spates. I think it would be one thing if they just chose Dwight Howard out of a pile based off of his history and and his track record and what they know about him. But what do you think about the process that they undertook to sort of reach their decision? And uh, yeah, just the vetting process they did where they saw all three of these guys up close and in person. They kept things pretty inclusive and brought in guys like Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, and JaVale McGee to also interview Dwight. By all accounts, it seems like they were very thorough and... At least in my opinions, I I think some benefit of doubt should be afforded them since we weren't there at those actual workouts, you know? And I think from everything that we've heard, Dwight Howard absolutely killed his workouts. Now, Dwight Howard is the type of player who is going to kill it in workouts, or who's been killing it in workouts since he was probably 10, you know, just because he is a physical specimen. But even having said that, I think having only played nine games last year, I think health was the biggest concern for the Lakers, durability. And the number one priority that I think the Lakers had circled in was just trying to preserve Anthony Davis this season and and finding a body who can withstand some blows in the paint and um, really be that rough-it-up bruiser for Anthony Davis, that, that buffer, essentially. And I think coming out of it, they probably realize even though Joakim Noah gives us this passing element, even though he may be able to actually space the floor a little bit, even though by all accounts he's probably just a better leader and probably has his head on straight better than Dwight Howard, that at the end of the day, they were looking for somebody who could maybe last for a full 60 to 80 games. Unlike the Tyson Chandler stint that we saw last year where it's like, all right, if this guy can be good for a a month or a month and a half, but if he's going to fall off the face of the earth after that, then it's not going to do us any good. So what are your thoughts on the, the vetting process that they took to get to this point? And does that at least alleviate some of your concerns even if you do not like the player that they chose
0: yeah at this point because we do feel pretty comfortable with you know how our front office is operated based on um this offseason um you figure they really went through all the different channels necessary to make an educated choice um like you said bringing in several players from the team uh to speak with Dwight. and make sure whatever concerns they may have had, uh, you know, were answered or satisfied, uh, that, that definitely speaks, you know, in a positive way. Um, I think durability is, is for sure, uh, like the priority here, right. As you said, like Tyson Chandler was good for the first handful of games he played with us. You know, when you look at all the plus minus, um, and like defensive metrics, it's like, Oh my God, the Lakers are a completely different t- team with Tyson Chandler. They didn't play. So could we have foreseen something like that with Joakim Noah? Absolutely. Uh, Maurice Spates is another guy that some people s- thought sounded appealing, but that guy doesn't really play defense. You know, um, who are some other options besides Spates and Noah?
1: Gortat, but they haven't—they didn't bring him in.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you think of Gortat, what is he, right? Like he's a—he can kind of stretch the floor, right, out to like 16 to 18 feet. Um. Obviously, he's a big body. He can set some screens. But between Gortat and Dwight, I don't know. It's almost like I guess Gortat isn't the locker room issue. Obviously, that you expect with Dwight, but who has a higher upside? You know. Um. I, I suppose it's Dwight. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. Pretty satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all things considered.
1: I think you mentioned the upside part, and I think the only guy out there who can even marginally approximate what. DeMarcus Cousins can in terms of hitting a particular ceiling and lifting a team's overall ceiling if things do work out. I think that's Dwight Howard. Joe Noah sort of presented that, but he over the years honestly hasn't been that durable. I know people remember that Dwight Howard only played 9 games last year, but outside of last year, he he's actually been very very durable and he's played 70-plus games or so in five out of the last seven years. And if you take last year out of the equation, he played 81 games with the Charlotte Hornets. I think that was the last team he was on before getting traded to Brooklyn and then getting cut and signing with the Wizards. So if last year is just a fluke, then Dwight Howard is actually just objectively the most durable out of any of these players that they um, worked out. And Maurice Spates, apparently he shot the lights out in his workout, but he is out of shape There could be a case that the Lakers may be interested in bringing him on if uh, they cut DeMarcus Cousins. And we're not going to touch the recent allegations and TMZ stuff um, right now. But I I think for me, I appreciate that they actually went through this thorough process and actually brought some of the Lakers players in. And at the end of the day, they came to this. They kind of stood their ground, right? They said, you're taking this contract and we can cut you At any hour that we want to essentially if we see you out of step or out of bounds in any way and just having dwight howard at the barrel of a gun i think that changes the equation for him because more so than in any other situation he's ever been in he's really on like the last thread here his last lifeline and it's his career right if he fails at this then it's really it's really over so I think that sort of gives me some level of hope that things could be different this time around.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. That's for like a normal, rational, even like 50% mature individual, you know? So I mean, okay, if, if I'm going to be a little more fair to this guy, he is in the twilight of his career and and he's playing for everything right now. If he screws this up, like he he's done. Uh, and he can only blame himself for something like that. One thing that I wonder, and we, we've never really known like who Dwight's circle of friends are. You know, I feel like with other uh, significant, notable players in the NBA, you kind of know who hangs out with who and that sort of thing. I wonder who is a part of Dwight's inner circle and what kind of influence have they had on him. Thus far, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a positive one. Um, oddly, he almost seems like kind of a loner. Maybe that's just because he's been exiled from every locker room he's ever been a part of. It's like, well, no one likes this guy anyway. So if he, if his agent, if, you know, family or whatever can kind of be the voice of reason for him to, again, like, shut up and put up, then you'd think he would be able to end his career on the highest possible note. But because it just seems like he really lacks decision-making skills... Yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, hopefully some guys on the team can, can influence him as well, you know? Which, which guys on the roster do you think can be like patient enough to want to influence him and rub off on him in this way?
1: I think a lot of the guys, actually. And when we're talking about the culture concerns, I think it's a bit muted. If we're talking about Dwight Howard last year with the young core, it's like, forget about it. We don't want him touching
0: any of those guys. Can you (laughs) imagine him on the team last year? No, It would have been oddly, like, imperfectly, imperfectly perfect.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, this year we are an entirely different team, a very veteran sort of team. We got LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, Jared Dudley, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, these are all guys who are not going to take shit from Dwight Howard if he is fooling around, especially Rajon Rondo, I feel like. And and the other thing that kind of gives me comfort is it's not like this is their first go-around with Dwight Howard. They may not be close or tight-knit friends with him, but they've you know played with him even in multiple Eastern Conference All-Star Games. They have some sort of connection to him, LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, and Dwight Howard. So... I'm sure they have some intel on who he is, what he's like. He sort of has that fun-loving personality that LeBron James has. He just has never had the killer instinct that LeBron James or Rajon Rondo also have. But in terms of the, the veteran guys that we have in the locker room, that's also what gives me hope with this sort of union, that they'll be able to corral him and really put him in his place and keep him in check. So I think that's one positive to look at. Yeah, like,
0: I agree with that. Out of any
1: other roster we've had over the years, this is probably the one most equipped to be able to handle a guy like Dwight Howard. And maybe that goes for the coaching staff as well. A, vet- a very veteran group of guys in Frank Vogel, Lionel Hollins, Jason Kidd, and maybe Phil Handy will work on player development.
0: <laughs> oh my God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> any any little bit helps, right? There was an article. I don't, I'll admit I didn't read it. I just saw the headline that Jason Kidd... Was a part of that conversation with Dwight? Is that something that actually occurred?
1: I think they had conversations with each other, so I'm pretty sure Dwight Howard was able to finagle his way into this conversation through his relationship with Kid. And we also have to remember that Kid, LeBron, and Dwight also played on Team USA. Exactly. Um, now so a lot there, of people there are is like, oh, some go
0: sort of Kid has like questionable character. You know, the detractors, of course, sure, about Jason sure. Kidd, and They'll question the validity or like the effectiveness of that, but it is something, right?
1: Yeah, and I mean, let's not forget LeBron James is tight with Jason Kidd. So if yeah. we're <laughs> if yeah. we're, bemoaning you can't the, like, go
0: both ways, right? Like
1: <laughs> if we're bemoaning the front office for hiring this guy, are we bemoaning LeBron James too? Because he's probably closer to Jason Kidd than the front office. But that is a conversation for another time. So, um, <laughs> yeah,
0: just trying to get out ahead of it.
1: <laughs> exactly, but 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 you know, with that said, there is some small nuggets of built-in chemistry here and there throughout the years right so it's not a total shot in the dark here
0: um i'm feeling better already this is therapeutic (laughs) i I haven't really been able to talk to anybody about this yet like with my voice
1: oh really okay well this is good i think this will be hopefully therapeutic for a lot of fans too alan let's talk about the best case scenario and what dwight howard can Can bring bring (laughs) that is the best case scenario but Let's talk about narratively can you imagine if he actually wins a championship
0: <laughs> That'd be so bizarre like
1: legacy wise I think Dwight has already done enough to to make it into the Hall of Fame yeah but the yeah. fact that he can actually take a step down and the one time he legitimately objectively humbles himself he actually comes out the biggest winner of all there's something like very poetic about
0: that. I mean, oh, no, definitely. It, yeah, I can't help but be happy for him if that's the case.
1: Well, I'll be happy for every everyone else, but even just looking at the Dwight Howard story, I feel like more Lakers fans will embrace him coming out of that if it so happens that he's able to truly buy in, put his money where his mouth is, and actually, for the very first time, turn over a new leaf. That would be such a crazy narrative arc from being one of the most hated players to ever don a Lakers jersey to once again redemption right i mean we've seen redemption stories of phil jackson with with kobe bryant and Mm -hmm. um that would just be another chapter in this long line of like i mean this is hollywood this is this is the lakers story and uh i would love for that to happen very slim chance it does but at the very least we can cut this guy at any moment and that's what i keep coming back to um really quickly what does he bring on the court he's a little redundant to JaVale mcgee but in essence if he, he has a shot, apparently, to to win over the starting job. Alan, I will say one thing. Because he's taking the place of DeMarcus Cousins, somehow we got objectively better on defense. I mean, yeah. we lost stuff on offense, but Dwight Howard is a better defender than DeMarcus Cousins. So somehow we got better defensively, and I think that can't be overlooked. But yeah, outside of that, what do you think he brings if he starts, if he comes off the bench for 10 to 15 minutes? Obviously, we're gonna have to hope that what he does is clean up. We just want him to do putbacks, pick and roll, straight line rolls. Uh, anytime someone feeds him the ball, maybe he's cutting on on the baseline or whatnot. That's all we need him to do on offense. And then on defense, I don't know if he can still block the way that he used to, or block shots the way that he used to. But um, just continue to be. I think as opposed to Javale McGee, Dwight Howard's a smarter defender. And more sound fundamental defender overall, right? But, uh, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on what he brings to the court if he can a- even buy in fifty percent?
0: Well, yeah, when you think about our perimeter defense, especially man to man, you got Rondo, <laughs> you've got Quinn Cook. Uh, our our guards are not exactly defensive stalwarts, you know, except for like Danny Green and Avery Bradley. Um, so you figure there's going to be a lot of penetration in the paint and, uh, as long as Dwight can be that second line of defense and, uh, if you're not rejecting shots, that's fine. Just like go up vertically. And I think he's fully capable of doing that. You know, um, I, I think as you said, like when it comes to defensive rotations and his defensive IQ, while he had a ton of athleticism before, it's not like he just relied on that, um, offensively is a completely different story when it comes to relying on athleticism, but that's what I picture on defense. Um, I would have to look at some recent video of him playing like pick and roll defense as well. Just when it comes to um, you know dropping back, and I don't know how much switching Frank Vogel plans on doing. Um, I think we've been haunted from switch everything for the last few years. But um, again, between him and Demarcus, it's a no-brainer. Uh, offense i think you pretty much said it put backs just be in position to get some offensive rebounds set screens roll hard to the basket try to have good hands although you know he doesn't he doesn't have the best hands but then you've got leBron passing to him you know um, you'll have rondo passing to him as well here and there so offensively uh, i could not really care less just don't do too much um it's all about being disciplined i think for him and Hopefully, you know, Tommy mentioned this. He'll probably say it when you guys speak, but, uh, we obviously have a short leash on Dwight when it comes to like his contract. If he really F's up, but I hope in game, if he gets caught up in the moment that Frank Vogel, the entire coaching staff will be disciplined themselves and, um, you know, pull him if uh, that's necessary. And hopefully he receives the message well.
1: Absolutely. Agree with you. Uh, I won't go any further because it might start getting redundant with what I have to say with uh, Tommy. But there it is, Alan, very subdued in your (laughs) quote unquote (laughs) excitement or lack thereof of Dwight Howard. But I think that's good because I think a lot of people, a lot of Lakers fans are with you there. I think I'm a little more accepting and it's kind of just like, meh, I mean... It is what it is. There is some upside there objectively. But I mean, a lot of that is based off of such a huge if with Dwight Howard and his character or lack thereof and who he's shown himself to be over the last few years. So, yeah, with that said, I have confidence with LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, Danny Green, those types of personalities sort of uh, reeling him back in. But we'll just have to see. Uh, With that said, I'll pitch it over To our sponsors, we'll take it to break, and then when I return, we'll get Tommy's quick thoughts on Dwight Howard as well and how he sees this potentially playing out. Alright, so we're back. I'm here with Tommy on the other line. T-Pain, we already know how Shaq and Kobe feel about Dwight, and that's Dwight with a W-I-T-E, but uh, how, how do you feel now that the Dwight Howard redux is actually happening?
2: I think the best way I can describe how I feel is just, like, not appalled. I think a lot of people, in my opinion, are, like, shockingly appalled by this situation and, like, the fact that we signed Dwight and they have, like, severe issues with him as a person. And I just don't see any of the... Okay, like, look, Dwight is a clown. I was the first one to say that, you know, back in 2012 (laughs) or 2013 or whatever when he left. Like... He's a complete loser, um, and frankly, I mean, at the time when he left, I said the Houston Rockets will never win a championship with Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard will never win a championship as the first or second best player on his team, which is what he thought he was, and those things never happened, and at this point, in his career never will happen, right, at least mm-hmm. as the first or second best player. That being said, for a non-guaranteed minimum contract, I mean, we essentially have this guy on like a G League player type contract, you know, you want to talk about Jared Dudley being a bargain. Um, you know, guys like Quinn Cook being a bargain. Whoever being, you know, even Danny Green, a lot of a lot of people relative to his impact said was a bargain. Um, but a very solid, certainly a very solid backup center, and arguably a very solid starting center, um, depending on circumstances. For like a G League type contract, is. Insane to me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's like there was nobody else out there who matches Dwight's theoretical impact. Okay, assuming he's able to play. Amir Johnson looks like he just got run over by a train. Like I don't know that that guy has anything at left. Marcin Gortat, super old. Andrew Bogut. Oh my god, that guy's old. Like all these guys are broken down, rickety old guys. I I'm not completely delusional. I get the fact that like Dwight is historically a locker room cancer historically has you know all these issues that i i read somewhere someone described it as like a slow gas leak effect that he has on his teams (laughs) (laughs) you know and 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 i totally am sensitive to all of that but what i will say is it is very easy to fake it which dwight has done for most of his career Mm -hmm. it's very easy to fake it in august um, it's very easy to fake it in training camp. It's very, very difficult to fake it until January 7th of an NBA season. I mean, that's like halfway through the season. Um, sure. It's not quite, but pretty close. Um, and if we can wave him without consequence for any reason, whether he's playing good, bad, whatever, like if he looks at somebody the wrong way and you can wave him without consequence, that's a pretty huge luxury. Um, yeah. I won't, I do think that. It, it it makes a strong case that uh, uh, he has accepted kind of his position in the NBA. Um, he's humbled himself a little bit. The fact that he was willing to degrade himself to this level, I think, is very telling. I won't like put my whole like reputation on that statement like I it's Dwight Howard so anything could happen um yep. he might just clown it up again but we can cut him with no consequence so i, I you know the guys like Gortat the guys like Bogut the guys like Maurice Spates like those guys aren't going anywhere like maybe uh, Joe Kim Noah gets picked up by somebody before the season starts or early in the season before we cut Dwight but no we're not missing out on anybody meaningful by signing Dwight and guess what if somebody meaningful does become available we can cut this dude in two seconds and sign that person. So it, Yeah, I'm totally fine with the move. We needed a big man. We got a big man who can like take abuse in the paint and can get rebounds. I mean, frankly losing to Marcus hurts on many levels offensively, but we became a better rebounding team by signing Dwight Mm -hmm. Howard. Arguably we became a better shot blocking team. Arguably we, we became a better defensive team overall. I mean, we did. Dwight at this stage is not like a world beater defensively, but let's not forget that this guy was like a perennial defensive player of the year candidate. Like he's not just a, Oh, this guy thought he was the best and only played offense. No, no, no. He, he built his career on defense. He's never averaged more than like 22 points a game or something, even in this prime. Um, he's been defense and rebounding for most of his career. He just brought a lot of stupid, like offensive antics with that. And if he can get rid of those, We have gotten pretty, a a very, very decent player.
1: Yeah, and I think he's more fundamentally sound and grounded than JaVale McGee on the defensive end anyways. JaVale, I think at this stage of their both of their careers is probably the better shot blocker just because of his length. And I think he's still more athletic than Dwight Howard, especially with the injuries that Dwight Howard has piled up. But in terms of IQ, I think, I know it's funny to say, but I think Dwight Howard has the higher basketball IQ when it comes to the defensive end. You don't get defensive player of the year by sheer athleticism, right? Right. My question to you is, how are you able to easily kind of sweep under the rug all of the, the the sour taste that Dwight Howard left his first time around and just what a clown he is and all that stuff? At the end of the day, is it just the practicality of the move and the fact that for the Lakers, there is they were able to mitigate the risk? pretty much to the best of their ability. But I guess at the end of the day, yeah, is it just you're looking at things practically and have you been primed to already do this sort of thing? Because we do have LeBron James on this team. We do have Rajon Rondo. These are like all of the Lakers' most hated players like back in 2008, you know?
2: Yes, I I guess the the way that I'm able to put that stuff aside is it's just simply due to the fact that it's so much time has passed. So many circumstances are different now. Dwight Howard left us because he thought he was an elite NBA player. He was like, I'm not doing this nonsense with Kobe. I mean, Kobe wasn't going anywhere, you know, although he tore his Achilles, like, you know, he, this was Kobe City and Kobe's team. Dwight wanted to be the guy. Houston convinced him he could be the guy and fed his ego and whatever, you know, he left he's not like this guy didn't go to college. He's, I'm not saying that makes him like inherently not a smart person. I'm just saying he loses some, you lose some life perspective, you know, by, by those types of, of circumstances happening in your life. Um, Yeah. He has hit rock bottom. And I know that like that you can go on Twitter and find these hilarious threads of like (laughs) every year for the last six years, Dwight Howard saying the same exact things. I will make an argument that like last year, I I don't know. Did you see anything last year that was like the Wizards hated him? He just got hurt, right? So it's like
1: I think the only thing was that uh, whoever the GM was last year said that he was so happy to trade Dwight, or he traded Dwight Howard at the first instance that he could, or he was so he was so glad to waive Dwight Howard. But but that's not like that wasn't the actual locker room. It was more the GM. But I, I guess that lends itself to him just being some sort of organizational cancer. But.
2: Yeah. And look, maybe he was, maybe he was frustrated because he was sitting out the whole year and he was being a dick. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the circumstances are. Again, there's a decent chance he does all that stuff here, but guess what? We can cut him in five seconds and it's, you know, we don't lose anything. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think so much has changed since 2012, 2013. He's joining a team that has, like... I mean, he's not the best player. He's not the second best player. He's not the third best player. He's probably not even, like, a top five player on this team, um, depending on how certain of our other guys pan out. Um, He will be competing against a guy who was out of the NBA, like, three years ago for a starting position. If he doesn't get the starting position, he could play 15 minutes a game. He could play no minutes, you know, and... It's just, it's, again, the circumstances are so different. Frankly, I wish we had some of the other guys on this roster on like, this type of contract so that uh, we could waive them at any time as well.
1: That's That's fair, and that's true. What do you think about those people who... Well first, what do you think about the, the vetting process that the Lakers underwent to reach this point with Dwight Howard? And then what do you think about the people who are mad that the Lakers front office wasn't as creative in their overall in the overall scope of this search and, and the people who are mad that we didn't opt for Joe Kimno instead? Or that maybe we didn't we didn't try a more yeah, like I said, a creative approach and just bring in someone from the G League or some no name player from overseas instead of risk it "Quote unquote, risk it with with this locker room cancer in Dwight Howard, and that maybe the front office is just going for the name that people know again, and he's a name that Rondo, Ad, and LeBron are familiar with. What what's your reaction to that sort of take, and just the fact that I think a lot of people, you and me included, probably had kim Noah at the top, or maybe even preferred kim Noah over Dwight. But what are your thoughts on people who who wish that we had just gone that route instead? I know for myself, it, it, it simply boils down to, look, the Lakers had Joakim Noah and Dwight Howard both in for a workout. Mm-hmm. And we weren't there in that in that workout. And they were somehow able to assess, look, this guy even with all of his baggage, and even with the fact that Rob Polinka's tight with Kobe, and Kobe still likes to to bag on Dwight, that they chose him instead of Joakim Noah. A lot of people are going to pull the Kurt Rambis stuff, and maybe LeBron James hates Joakim Noah. If, if that's the case, why did they even waste his time? Why did they waste anyone's time to bring in Joakim Noah for a workout? So for me, it kind of boils simply down to, I'm going to give them some benefit of the doubt, because they actually worked out both of these players. So... Kind of a convoluted question, but yeah, what are your thoughts to people who are like, why didn't they just pick Joe Kim Noah or were more creative in this search?
2: On the more creative front, it's so easy to be like an armchair GM, right? I mean, it, yeah, if we could, if we had a time machine that we could fast forward and say like, oh look, Onuaku actually would have been slight a slightly better candidate, you know. But it's like when you're in September, or sorry, we're not in September quite yet. In in uh, you know this preseason. Str- not even preseason, the stretch of, of time in the summer before training camp or even LeBron's secret mini training camp has started. Um, you can't make those kinds of risks. If you're or take those kinds of risks, I should say, if you were actually trying to be a competitive team, We don't have the roster flexibility to do that kind of thing. We were actually looking for a guy who is going to be a rotation player. So there's a risk with taking somebody like that, right? On the Noah front, I completely agree with you. Although I would have preferred Noah, we were not there at the workouts. They worked all these guys out. They got a chance to talk to them. Noah is an obvious... Um, locker room, like you have no concerns about his mental state, his locker room presence, any of that stuff. But I would argue that they actually took, they made, they made the objectively right basketball move under the hopes and pretense that they have a coach now that they feel comfortable with as a veteran coach who can hopefully manage anything that happens. And they have the comfort of the ability to wave him at any time. Mm-hmm. But clearly there was some recognition by somebody in the front office that, look, Noah brings some amount of playmaking. Noah brings – he can make a free throw. Uh, Noah brings – you don't have the potential for off-court distractions, although, I, as I mentioned, that's kind of mitigated. But somebody spoke up and said, we have to be able to compete athletically to win in the modern NBA – this is not like the memphis grizzlies ground and pound or whatever you want to call it grit and grind like that kind of stuff like doesn't work anymore it's been proven time and time not even that it really worked back then to be frank but it, it's been proven now very clearly that it doesn't work. You have to be able to compete athletically with the best teams in the league. And somebody probably said, I don't know, over an 82-game season that Kim Noah can compete athletically at the highest level. And clearly, the one thing that blew everybody away from Dwight's workout was how good he looked athletically. I'm not saying this dude is going to come in and be 2010 Dwight Howard, but... Joakim Noah, as effective as he is, is not known for his athleticism. And, you know, we had the opportunity with a very low risk to get somebody who is physically developed, ready to go, and can athletically compete with NBA players. And I think it's fair to take that that kind of chance.
1: Yeah, I also don't think that it can be understated that they put these guys through pretty much a pre-draft workout for these veterans, you know. It's not like they just picked these guys out of a hat and we're like, "Oh, we remember Dwight Howard. Let's go get him." They act I feel like they were pretty thorough in this process and you have to appreciate that. They were pretty inclusive with the guys that they brought in to individually talk to Dwight Howard. And 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 so I think the Lakers did everything that you could have asked for in order to come to this conclusion. Lastly, my question for you is what's what is the potential downside to this? You know, there is some sort of risk I, I don't think it's that much of a risk, but let's say he does screw up and we have to scrap things, you know, a month into the season and do do this all over again, a month into the season. Does that hurt us a little bit since, you know, time is of the essence and chemistry is a, is a big deal in the NBA? Or for you, are you just cognizant of the fact that with a team like this that's kind of been put together on the fly to be a contender – we're going to be rejiggering this roster throughout the whole season, regardless of whether it's the first month or second month or whatever. And in the grand scheme of things, even if we do have to cut Dwight a month into the season and we do lose that, you know, chemistry time together, that time to coalesce and become a cohesive unit that, that might've happened anyway during the trade deadline to shore up some other issues.
2: No, I absolutely, I 100 percent agree. I mean, this team is going to change over the course of the season. Um, but even ignoring that, because we obviously can't predict it, we don't have a team of 19-year-olds anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is a team of NBA veterans. If Dwight Howard acts up for a couple of weeks, gets instant-waved, and moves on with his life, I don't think anyone here's life is going to change that much. It's going to be such a minor blip. Two weeks in the NBA season for these guys probably seems like the blink of an eye. You know, so it, it's. I don't think that's going to have any effect on... You know, locker room, anything. Frankly, I think Dwight, at best, is a neutral impact on the on the locker room. At worst, he's obviously really toxic. But he's cut in that case for us. But at best, he's neutral. It's not like if we cut him, like first of all, I don't, I can't see why we would cut him if he was just a, a guy who wasn't doing anything bad, but. You know if we if we did have to cut him because you know he was slightly bad or athletically he wasn't working or you know, on court results weren't what we hoped, it's just not going to be that big of a factor on a team like this that is led by veterans, is stacked with veterans at every position, has a veteran coach. It's we're in such a different circumstance than we've been in years past, and I don't view this as an issue at all.
1: Yeah, and at the end of the day, I feel like on this sort of team, Dwight Howard's almost the odd man out if he doesn't buy in. He's almost like, who's he really going to negatively affect if he is even just borderline his normal toxic self? he's not going to affect Avery Bradley. He's not going to affect Danny Green. He's not going to affect Rajon Rondo. All these guys who have kind of been around the block, you can probably say, all right, Kuzma or Caruso, but I feel like on this roster, we have enough of a buffer with guys like Dudley, Green, Avery Bradley, Rondo to sort of protect and secure the, the kids that we do have left on this team from Dwight's influence, you know? And then right. THT is going to be in the G League. So I, I don't worry about that at all. Uh, so yeah, with that said, I, I, I do agree with you. Not too big of a risk. We'll just have to see. It might be a mild annoyance throughout the year. Um, Lastly, to end this show, do you have any thoughts on... Do do you want to talk about the DMC allegations? I don't really want to. I guess my question to you is, I think you're in agreement with me that uh, we don't condone anything that he said in that phone interview or that phone call if it was, in fact, him who was saying those things. Very explicit words said towards his son's uh, mother. But at this point... Do you have any sort of sentiment or leaning with regards to should the Lakers just cut DMC at this point or wait till... I I think they're going to wait till they get more info regardless, which is the right play here. But are you leaning towards maybe just cutting him because it makes the most sense and, and this doesn't help with regards to the optics perspective? I think for me, maybe this is just one of those things where obviously it's disappointing, Like I mentioned, we don't condone anything that he said, but maybe this union was doomed from the beginning. And this is just kind of like the nail in the coffin. Like maybe it was just never meant to be for DeMarcus Cousins and us as the Lakers. But I don't know if you even have a leaning.
2: I don't really have a leaning with respect to the tape. I mean, the fact that it's interesting, right? And I think this would be a bigger moral question if he actually was able to play next year. Um... Then you ask, like, then you have to really sit somebody down and, and ask them, and they have to like respond with a straight face, like, oh no, despite what he said, I would still have him play. Frankly, like that mm-hmm. happens all the time, right? I I won't say to the to this, like, to this degree, like, or with something this severe, but stuff like that happens. Um My take from the beginning was if we were gonna which I mean, like the day after DMC was announced that like he tore his ACL, he's out for the season. It was like the late, all the reports were, were like the Lakers know that they need a center. Um, the plan was always to sign a center. We signed a center. We needed, you know, we were always going to go into the season with roster flexibility. And I think this just kind of makes that decision easier. I mean, I don't think it needs to be referenced. I just think it makes sense for every party. I mean, frankly, they could just cut them, keep them around. Even I like, I don't care what you do on off the court. Um, keep him around, let him rehab, do whatever. But it's very easy at this point to just cut him. You are going to cut him anyway, most likely, um, to make roster space. And if he's not, like, there sitting on the bench causing a distraction, like, who knows how long this thing will go. Sometimes these things blow over in a few weeks. Sometimes they go all year. But um, mm-hmm. it it just it gives you that much more of a reason to just, like, kind of cut it off you don't have to be a dick about it (laughs) you know you could just (laughs) you could be respectful and and see what happens but be like you know kind of case it as like this was going to happen anyway and uh we just need the roster space and you know see how things progress and if they if they are really really as bad as they seem then you cut ties with them completely and if they're not you kept them you know around and have a, a good look at them for next year
1: yeah i agree Uh, Lastly, do you have any thoughts on Kyle Kuzma? Obviously, he wasn't able to extend his stay and and make the official roster. Uh, We are proud of the way that he was able to show out in the few limited games that we did see. Seemed like he really bought into his role and really learned how to excel in the little things. He has been working his butt off this entire offseason, so I'm almost kind of glad that he's able to have the time off to to rest, re-energize, and get himself ramped up or get himself ready for the ramp up to the season. So quick thoughts on Kyle
2: Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma, um, obviously would have been great for him to keep playing. When I really looked at that schedule for FIBA, First of all, this FIBA team is, like, it's. they are by no means guaranteed to win anything. I, I'm not just basing that off the Australia loss, um, but it, it it is, like, a very tenuous situation. I'm not sure what Pop is doing. He's a very experienced coach, and he has them playing, frankly, as well as they probably could be playing, but he does make some odd political choices, Um he's a known laker hater. Kyle Kuzma was incredibly efficient in the limited time that he had and Pop was consistently playing guys that I just wasn't sure what exactly they were adding. Um Kuzma hurt his ankle, you know, we'll now get time to rehab that, be at 100% for camp. That's the big prize for us. He showed what he needed to show. He got some games under his belt. Um, Frankly, I'm happy. I'm a little bit happy it happened at this point um, with his ankle, as opposed to like the last game of the tournament or something. And training, LeBron's secret mini camp is like a week later. Um, (laughs) So it 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 is what it is, and uh, and uh, better now than later.
1: Absolutely. All right, that's it for this show. D39 Redemption season. I leave you now with uh, Shaq's tweet from today to Kobe Bryant. Everybody, I'm sure at this point, has heard of the the Kobe Shaq beef. But here's Shaq's response. It's all good, bro. When I saw the interview, I thought you were talking about Dwight. D-W-I-T-E. Is that how you spell his name? LOL. To which Kobe responded with, bruh. And some emojis that were hilarious. I thought that was that was the highlight of my night. Or highlight of my day. I don't know about you. Uh, but with that said, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please rate, interview us on iTunes. And uh, yeah, buckle up for, for Dwight Mayer Part 2. The sequel that probably did not even deserve a straight-to-DVD release. But here it is on the big screen once again. But in a more complimentary, supplementary role. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. Peace.